Real World Podcast is a conversation to bridge the gap between baby boomers and millennials, and we don't pretend to be experts in any matters that we discussed. We hope that you're going to spend some time with us. Hi, my name is Bobby, and I'm with... My, wait, not my son, <laughs> your son, your son, Brian. Yes, I'm mom, he is son. That's right. Awesome. So today, we are going to discuss evolution, and as it kind of reconciles with Christianity. Um, I, I think that's kind of the bigger issue. I think we all have learned the theory of evolution in school. Um, and, and we'll first, um, maybe Brian can talk a little bit about that, but then we want to get into the whole reconciliation with Christianity. So maybe Brian, you could start out with talking about the theory of evolution and how that all works. Sure. Uh, so effectively evolution is a change of heritable characteristics over biological populations, so like humans, uh, over successive generations. That is why places like Seattle or London, where it's a lot colder, tend to have paler people, why people who live in the desert tend to be more tanned or dark. Uh, That's something as simple as then. That is a form of evolution. Normally when we think of evolution, like these large-scale thing of where people say we come from monkeys which also isn't something that is said in evolution. It would say we have a common ancestor, mm-hmm. which is different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is macroevolution. That would be evolution over a large scale over thousands of years where species can no longer reproduce with the species they could previously. Hmm. Or before, whenever we shared a common ancestor, that common ancestor could have then reproduced with itself. But over time, when we became humans and monkeys became monkeys and so on for all of every other species back to the single cell, then we could only begin to reproduce within our specific species. So that is essentially the idea of evolution in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, I think something also think that's important is, <laughs> I did find it funny because you said something we all learned in schools, but since I went oh. to a private <laughs> school, <laughs> we learned a little bit of it. I mean, actually, when I think about it, I think I learned a better, like a more advanced version of it than public schools. Huh. Uh, because whenever I've been subbing, it feels like most kids still don't understand evolution that well. Really? Uh, <laughs> which is really yeah. funny to me. But I, we are still primarily taught uh, six-day creationism at Woodcrest. Okay. Six-day creation was still the primary means. And I, I think since then, I've definitely come to lean more towards uh, intelligent design or evolutionary guided... Uh, or in, in t- I'm trying to remember the think of the word, but it's like God-guided evolution, theological mm-hmm. evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I found um, some of that research as well. And, um, you know, when I was doing a little bit of research before this, because I grew up in public school and I definitely learned the uh, theory of evolution, um, survival of the fittest, you know, Charles Darwin... And I remember when I first started working at the county of Riverside, um, uh, one of my coworkers, Georgine, she used to have this like wooden um, tchotchke um, on the back of her desk. And it was like the evolving of from a monkey to a man. And um, I always thought that was kind of interesting because, you know, it's just not something that I wrestle with. (laughs) Like I... I don't wrestle with like the differences in the Bible. I, I try not to identify things that um, cause us to stumble or, or cause dissension amongst uh, Christians. But for this podcast, what I like to do is talk about those things and to try to reconcile those things so that we can have maybe um, an open mind about how we should look at things and and to let's not be afraid to address it but we want to address it in a way of again of reconciliation versus dissension okay so when i was doing a little bit of research um i found this site um it was a a site online called biologos and it was famous christians who believed evolution is compatible with the christian faith yeah and um it starts with B.B. Warfield. Honestly, I didn't know who B.B. Warfield was. He was a theologian in the late 1800s. Um, there was Carl Barth. Again, never heard of this person. I've heard of most of these people on this okay. list. I also well, came, I would yeah. think so. As a, <laughs> as a, I've had to read like half their books. Right, right. Um, 
I recommend because yeah. I actually saw this list too. I saw this website. Did you see this? So uh, of course the the name that I recognized the quickest was John Walton. He's down later, I uh, think. No, he's not on here. Well, there was a John, I thought. No, not here. But let me just continue. Yeah, um, you can keep keep reading the names. Uh, well, let me let me just share what Billy Graham said because most of you out there know Billy Graham or know his son Fa- Franklin Graham, and so he's somebody more in the current time period. And then there's a couple popes as well that had um, some interesting things to say. Um, but Billy Graham said. Um, you know, that he says, I don't think that there's any conflict at all between science today and the scriptures. I think that we have misinterpreted the scriptures many times, and we've tried to make the scriptures say things they weren't meant to say. He says, I think that we've made a mistake by thinking the Bible's a scientific book. The Bible is not a book of science. The Bible is a book of redemption, and of course I accept the creation story. I believe that God did create the universe. I believe that God created man, and whether it came by an evolutionary process and at a certain point, he took this person or being and made him living, a living soul or not, does not change the fact that God did create man. Whichever way God did it makes no difference as to what man is and man's relationship to God. And frankly, from my perspective, that's just like right on. Like that's kind of where I am. I, I, I don't think there's a, um, I think we can reconcile uh, Christianity and evolution. Um, and that would be kind of maybe more... Um, my perspective mm-hmm. yeah no I, I think totally you know um i thought uh pope benedict the oh, what's xvi <laughs> xvi is 16th 16th okay pope benedict the 16th that's right i should know my roman numerals i'm not really good at that uh, at this point in my life it's okay you're not roman <laughs> thank you but when in rome <laughs> um Okay, so what he says is we cannot say creation or evolution in as much as these two things respond to two different realities. The story of the dust of the earth and the breath of God does not, in fact, explain how human persons come to be, but rather what they are. It explains their inmost origin and casts light on the project that they are, and vice versa. The theory of evolution seeks to understand and describe biological developments, but in doing so, it cannot explain where the project of human persons comes from, nor their inner origin, nor their particular nature. To that extent, we're faced here with two complementary rather than mutually exclusive realities. So I really liked um, that description. And then finally, from Pope Francis, who said that God uh, created beings and allowed them to develop according to the internal laws that he gave to each one so that they were able to develop and arrive at their fullness of being. And then he furthermore talks about the Big Bang, which nowadays is um, posited as the origin of the world, does not contradict the divine act of creating, but rather requires it. The evolution of nature does not contrast with the notion of creation as evolution presupposes the creation of beings that evolve. And so I think looking at these quotes, again, um, these are obviously Christians that um, have reconciled uh, Christianity with evolution. And um, I find it interesting, there was another site that I found that um, where they... And this was CBE Life Sciences Education, where they were, and this is in 2020, so this is relatively recent, where they surveyed students, and about half the students felt that if you believed in evolution, you couldn't believe in God. And um, I was so happy to have found these sources from, you know, C.S. Lewis, from Billy Graham, from the Popes, in, in that what they were saying made perfect sense to me, and... Because um, honestly, like I said before, it's not yeah. something that I really th- think about. I try not to figure out everything because, frankly, it's like everything else. It's like the Lord knows, the Lord created. There's no question in my mind that he created all, and it was all for his glory. And um, however we need to reconcile science associated with what the bible says i think we need to do that as as a christian we have faith and that's how we move forward yeah i think that is all true uh i think going back a little bit the one of the comments i would say was someone said the bible is a book of redemption 
I think I like that. I like calling the Bible a book of redemption, but I want to be technical. It is a book of theology, and mm-hmm. I'm not. That's not me to correct whoever. Yeah, you that was it. that was actually Billy Graham. Uh, that's not. Yeah, it's not to correct Billy Graham in some way. It's more Brian so Chute to uh, is dissing Billy Graham. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, that's that's, that's, that's my goal here. I'm just smack talking Billy Graham. Uh, no, I think what it's important is to look at a book of theology, which would be a book that's the studying God for what it is. It's not a primary science text. That's mm-hmm. why there are certain times where numbers are estimated, but it says that it says it as if it's absolute. It's also why there are some times where we don't know. It'll say a generation's passed, but we don't know how many years is a generation to them. And sometimes it can say a generation's passed, but they mean different numbers at different points. Right. Uh, because like for the Torah, Moses grew up an Egyptian for mm-hmm. an, a, a generation uh, generational estimate for Egyptians in their culture at that time was 20 years. Later, when it's like the time of Ezra and they use generations and stuff, it's 40 years. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, who do we use? Do we use the standard Jewish one or do we use the Egyptian one uh, for Moses in the book of like Numbers and Deuteronomy and those in those texts? Uh, and that's all they're trying to figure out exactly when Moses let and the people left the promise uh, went and left for the promised land and all that and. It's not to gear the subject towards that, just because I think those are cool subjects, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as we learned from our last week with the Torah. But it's to say that Scripture isn't a hundred percent accurate in the in the in the things that don't relate relate to theology. There are times where it estimates. There are times where. Uh, it'll it'll say something like that or it'll use highly figurative language that we won't be able to fully understand like the story of genesis because how like even with genesis even even if we take it a literal six-day creation why does a day pass when there is no sun and moon yet like when there is when there is no sun that there is for for the earth to revolve around yet why how can a day pass well, and how long is a day? Yeah. I mean, I think that in and of itself is a big question. And again, I'm not a Bible scholar, but I know that there's somewhere in there that talks about, you know, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And yeah, and that that gets to the idea that when God created everything, he also have had to have created time. Right. And so since God is eternal, he exists outside of it. Mm-hmm. So when God creates everything, everything you could say is in one day. You could say everything mm-hmm. took eternity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because and and why also... would we argue with each other about that? When yeah. we in, there is none of us, none of us that know the answer to these questions. We can spend all this time trying to figure this out, but whether we either believe or we don't believe, yeah. right? We either have faith or we don't have faith. And yeah. I know one of the things that I had read before, I have a book that I, I was really into it about 20 years ago. It's called Kingdom of the Cults, and it addressed a number of the... Um, oh, that's very ironic, actually. Why is that? Because that'll, that'll relate to our, our next episode. Oh, okay. Because the, the author of that is the subject of the next episode. I don't think he was. He was the author of the Kingdom of the Cults. I don't know if he was the only author. We're gonna be talking about Ravi Zacharias. Uh, I don't know if he was the only author, uh, the only author, hmm. uh, but he was involved with it. He, he he's in like the 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 site of it because whenever I was looking up to him, I was looking at all of his works cited. Okay. Well, not all of his works cited, but I mean all the works that when you cite them, you cite him. Well, the Kingdom of the Cults basically is a book that just kind of debunked a lot of the major religions. And But one yeah. of the things that they talk about in this book that I found fascinating was where they were debunking the whole radiocarbon uh, dating. Uh, dating. Um, yeah, it is dating. Radiocarbon dating theory and how that worked. And that's, you know, when you hear people say, okay, the world is 2,000 years old or 5,000 years old, and then others that say it's, millions or billions of years old and it's like okay well how do you reconcile the two and you know when with archaeological digs and so forth they they try to identify how old these fossils are and they talk about radiocarbon dating and again they're in this book debunking like how they were doing it they said it was based upon false information and therefore it's going to always yield false information now again let me come back to i don't know (laughs) i mean nor am i going to argue with somebody about this or like take a 
a stand per se on this issue because, okay, the Bible is the word of God and I believe it. And so I'm not going to, it doesn't mean that there isn't any contradictions in the Bible. I think we can find some things where it appears at least that it's contradictory, but I think you can again reconcile it. So I think just as we could reconcile some of those things, we can reconcile evolution and Christianity. I mean, clearly when he made creation in those first six days, however long period of time that took, um, he spoke it and it happened, right? Well, when he spoke it, something had to happen in order to make it happen. So why couldn't that be evolution? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And yeah, (laughs) yeah, no, I I fully agree, Mom. (laughs) And I I think something also that's important is, I don't know about debunking carbon dating. I know for the most part, I think a lot of creationists have over-exaggerated differences, scientific differences that people get, but in different carbon datings, from what I understand, it's actually pretty consistent for most for most actual scientists. Mm-hmm. The only people I've ever heard it's not consistent from are Christians, uh, or not Christian, but Christian creationists. And there's like, I mean, if you're a creationist, that's okay. It was just the people who are trying to say that has to be creationism. Mm-hmm. Those are the only people I've ever heard that radiocarbon dating are are. Uh, aren't well you know i find it interesting that like it's christians that try to debunk science yeah right (laughs) because then it 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 supports their their theory or you know of what they believe is their interpretation of the scriptures you know but again unless it's clear like we know that jesus says love god and love others. So love yeah. me, love others. That is not a matter of question, right? Mm-hmm. So we either follow that or we don't. That's a fact that's in the Bible. There were eyewitnesses. He said it to people. And so, okay, there, there, there's really not a question to debunk that. But there are many parts of the Bible that is hard to comprehend. I mean, there's there's a number of areas such as the types of food that we eat, whereas in the Old Testament, there were very big restrictions, and you get to the New Testament, and it's like kind of like eat whatever you feel comfortable with eating, and then don't judge each other for eating that way, Yeah, right? So I was just reading about that yesterday, and it's like it's really interesting how, you know, a carnivore or somebody who likes meat um, will look down on a vegetarian and vice versa. And it's like, I don't even understand that. Like, why Why would you care what somebody else chooses to eat? Like, why is that relevant to you? I actually, I'm a <laughs> carnivore almost exclusively. Uh, there's actually, so this is a little bit random. There, there like is a both. There is a football player. I mean, I do too. I love, I know. I love spinach and broccoli. Uh, those are my, definitely my two favorites. But the, there was a running back for the Houston Texans back when I was in high school named Arian Foster. Mm. He yeah, was a vegetarian. Okay. And I just remember always being so like my my mind was always blown by how much in shape he was. <laughs> yeah. For when I think, vegetables. <laughs> when I when I think of someone, I can't think of someone being that built without mm-hmm. any like meat. <laughs> so like he must have had some great protein substitutes or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Way protein. Definitely. Well, there's another uh, site as I was going into this research that I thought, as soon as I, I found it, I thought, oh, this is like Brian's territory because Brian is my thinker. I remember when, when Brian was younger having a conversation with Brian. And so I had three sons and I remember Brian saying to me, cause Brian was always such a great student. Like being a good student was like very important to him. It's cause I saw what happened to Jake and Scott well, when they weren't. Well, no, that's not <laughs> I, true. I, they were joking. good students. They were good students. They, they were great students. Right. But, but I remember you saying, well, Jake was the jock. Scott was the comedian, so I needed to be the thinker. I don't remember that, but I I, I think remember it that you fits. were a teenager. You were probably about fifteen ish, and I remember having that conversation with you. And it's like, well, that's interesting because I do think brothers tend to compare each other. Like that's just really not the sisters don't because I think they do too. And and we just why do we always do that as humans? Like we're always comparing <laughs> ourselves to others instead of comparing ourselves to the Lord. Right? Comparing how do we how do we meet the Lord's test for us. Like, how are we glorifying him with whatever it is that we're doing? Isn't that what we should be 
focusing on versus how do we compare to our sister? How do we compare to our brother? You know, to the world for sure. I'm, I'm just going to input there that I, I have changed my answer. I don't know which of those three I am, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure Jake's the smart one because of all of his financial investments. <laughs> well, I think Scott's going coming right behind him there. Oh, so yeah. Scott's doing really good, doing too. doing well with that, too. Uh, yeah, definitely. Not, unlike, let's look at it this way. Very unlike your parents who haven't necessarily made good investments. Although real estate in the last couple of years, it was great buying a house. I and mean, we've done pretty well over the last year with the craziness of the market. But yeah, um, totally. Outside of that, maybe not so good. So I think oh, well, you're, you're bringing oh, up some yeah. stuff. So, so I wanted to share this site with you. And then I, you know, as I, I want to read some of this, Brian, and then maybe you can debunk it or support it or however you want to sure. uh, handle sure. it. Sure, that sounds fun. So this is a website called thinkersbiblestudies.com, and I found it very intriguing. And um, kind of like the, the purpose of this site is to help Christians engage in intelligent conversations with doubters and unbelievers. And so, like, this has actually been one of my issues, like, for me personally, because I'm not real good at, like, I'm a challenger, right? I'm an eight, and I want to challenge, but when it comes down to facts, because I'm a big picture thinker, mm-hmm. I'm not good at debating the details because my memory isn't good and I'm just not good at it. I, I'm just not. But from a big picture standpoint, so what I always like to do is start at the beginning, whereas we have 30,000 manuscripts that date back to, you know, like 58 AD. And it's like, okay, how do you debunk that when they're 99% the same. How do you say that this is inaccurate? Because I have friends that would say, oh, the Bible was written by man. Well, okay, but this was inspired by God, and you have 30,000 copies from 30,000 different people that are all that are 99% the same. Do you want to know? I mean, this is not how I actually normally handle people uh, when they actually are trying to talk with me about this. But do you know what my normal mental response is? Or if I'll, I'll say this, but I'll say it kinder. Is I say, okay, so you're talking about textual criticism. And they kind of go, wait, what's that? As the textual criticism is the science of understanding how texts change over hundreds or thousands of years. Essentially, it's the evolution of how text. we text each other on our phone. Yes, it's like, <laughs> yeah. So that it, uh, so when they're saying, when they're saying like, oh, Bible's written by man, it's changed so much. That What they're saying is that through the process of textual criticism, we can then deduce that Jesus never claimed to be God or anything like right. that in the original Gospels. Right. And then I say, okay, well, do you know how we get the process of textual criticism? It is because the Bible is so accurate and unchanging <laughs> that we have developed this entire science because of Scripture. Yeah. So yeah. we wouldn't have textual criticism as we know it today without Christianity and Scripture. Uh, and like I mean that, like good answer, good answer. What and so, 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 but no, but it's like saying it's the saying it's so accurate. We developed these the science of studying the changes of text. Again, why <laughs> why we try to debunk it? I don't know. And again, I think it's always good to ask questions. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, like, and and we want to make sure that we're doing the right thing, right? I mean, well, you know, we don't want to do anything that's going to go against his will for our life. Yeah. Right. And, and like you said, it's good to ask questions like earlier, like 10 minutes ago, I think at this point when I said something like, uh, sometimes the Bible isn't always right. Cause it uses estimations for like populations and things like that can, uh, that can unsettle you a little bit, mm-hmm. but, and that's okay that it unsettles you. No, it is. And I think though, it's just like getting back to what I was saying before is like, I, kind of approach people in a different way because I don't have the ability to remember facts and figures the way that I'd like to, or even scripture for that matter. But that's why you have to stay in the word all the time so that it's written on your heart. Truly. I mean, and for those of us that are getting older, (laughs) it just gets harder. But anyway, this particular site, think, okay, easy for me to say, thinkersbiblestudies.com is really interesting. So it talks about like, there's a lot of featured topics, but I I found this one that I hadn't heard this before. And I thought this was interesting. So in talking about like the whole issue of, of evolution and how to reconcile it, they were suggesting that you read Genesis as two stories. So they said read Genesis one to four as two stories. And basically what they're saying is, um, 
that most people just assume that when you start reading Genesis that it's chronological and it's almost like it's just a single continuous story. And um, and we know that the Bible isn't written, written or isn't presented in a chronological manner, right? And you do have yeah. to be able to but, reconcile everything. Yeah, because I mean, talking about things that might unsettle you a little bit, like biographies didn't have to be chronological until a couple hundred years ago. Mm. So like the Gospels can be completely out of order, you know, outside of mm-hmm. the birth and death. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that can also unsettle people in so, modern so, times. Right, because then you're thinking, well, this can't be true because like, it's not even in a logical order. Yeah, because you'll you'll read stories. It's like one story has this place in like John and the other one has this story, this place in Matthew. And you're like, wait. Well, and think about that. So in our minds, we're so programmed for logic and, and, and that's kind of how we are intellectually like. It needs to be logical. But faith goes against that. Like you believe. You believe in blind faith. You believe in a God that you can't see yeah. or touch or feel, although some people can claim that they well, do that. But I, I think then before we go into this, that actually mm-hmm. kind of changes subjects into something okay. I wanted to say at some okay, point. Okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, before so, we go into this detail, go for, ahead. For, mo- for the most part, because some of the things I'll say is actually correlates to this. So after this one, we'll go back into that. Okay. Uh, there, there's a lot of times when we hear scientists and like creationists and they're arguing or people argue with uh, atheists over like their source of truth and people will ask Christians, well, how do we know what the Bible is true? And eventually like that it comes down to because the Bible says so, like we believe that God has used it. And so they're ultimately claiming that it has, it says itself is true. And scientists will say, well, look like that's absurd. You can't just say yourself is true. But then we look at science, and you're thinking, well, how does science do that? But it totally does. When you <laughs> right, when you conduct an experiment. When you conduct an experiment, essentially you're you're valuing you had a your, hypothesis. You're, you're valuing <laughs> your five senses as data over every other true source. So my response is, so you're saying your five senses are so accurate that there cannot be another source of data? Or, or is Revan crying? Yes. Silly boy. Dog is crying. He's like such a crybaby. <laughs> He's uh, a cutie. But it's, it's like, are you really saying that there cannot be another source of truth outside of our five senses? How do we know that there isn't a metaphysical realm? Like as Christians, we believe there is to some extent mm-hmm. because of angels, right. demons, God, Satan. Right. right. So it's like saying, how do we not know that reality isn't a hundred percent as it seems to us because we only have our senses? Right. And so it's it's it just to me is a little absurd that people can look at God and say, ah, he's, he's his own truth source. So that doesn't make sense. But they can look at science and say, ah, I am my own truth source. So therefore that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But it's truth can exist outside of what we think. I think it's very narrow minded. And that's my, honestly, my biggest problem with scientists and evolutionist isn't the science itself. It's the claim that they have the greatest source of truth in the world and the, in the universe as science. Right. Because, Science is infallible. I'm not infallible. Science isn't infallible. Science changes all the time. Evolution now is way different than Darwinian evolution if you really get into the nitty and gritty of it. Mm-hmm. A thousand years from now, if evolution is still the main theory of how life came to be, it's going to be way different than it is now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that, that's why is I can get really frustrated uh, with it. And as sure. well as something that's important to think about is that ultimately – Everyone has a belief about a central truth claim into the universe. If you're more relativist, your central cl- truth claim is that there is no central truth, which is ironic. <laughs> That's true. Uh, if you're an evolutionist or I mean, or an atheist and you're like really heavy on science, it's science. If you're a Christian, it's God's word. If you're a Muslim, it is the Quran. Uh, not the Quran. The Quran. I almost said that I combined Quran. Combined Quran. <laughs> I combined Torah and Quran. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I said Quran. <laughs> but yeah, it's the Quran. Anyways, though, mm-hmm. now we can go back to. Okay. Well, this, this site I thought was interesting, and this whole concept I thought was interesting, and I hadn't really thought about this because um, I've read through the Bible a number of times, and, and I tend to look at Genesis as one continuous story, like not really kind of. Um, putting like a time frame on it. And so this concept I thought was kind of interesting. So it said that, um, that 
it's probably Genesis is probably two stories. There's creation, which was Genesis one to one, one one through two three, and then Eden, Genesis two eight through three twenty four, and then there was a summary transition statement in between. And um, so basically, the six days, of course, is the first part, and then on the seventh day, um, where there was the transition. And, and that's when God formed man, okay? And so we talk about, as Christians, as Adam and Eve being the first man and woman, um, but what they're saying here is that, I mean, this could have taken place many, many, many years, that Adam and Eve were created many, many, many years after the creation of the first, you know, uh, six days, and what they're suggesting is that Adam was the first man that God had a relationship with. And it's like, wow, I hadn't thought about that. And then mm-hmm. um, also in verse 19, in the second story, it said, now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. And that what they're suggesting is that there's a time gap between formed and had formed. And so he would conclude that um, it said that we would conclude based upon that, that God created man first and then created animals for him to name. But we know that he created animals which we know is wrong based on Genesis 1. So there's kind of like a, um, it would appear that there's, you know, that that doesn't reconcile. And um, again, with Eden, the second story, the whole suggestion there is that Adam was the first man that had a personal encounter with God versus being the very first men. Yeah. Yeah. And so what what would you say to that, Brian? Well, my first comment is that theologically, uh, Genesis 2, 4 on is its own story. It is, uh, it is called parallelism. It is going into more depths of the end of Genesis 1. So it is the story of God creating man. Okay. Uh, so it's also when you speak, speak into the mic, please. <laughs> oh. You, you said okay, but then you Oh, sorry. I did drift thing. back. I was kind of relaxing. I know, I know. It was just... It was, <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny. Uh, so I think that's important. I'm not, I'm not going to say... like I, I don't like the ideas or saying, oh, in between this word and this word, this happened. I mean, like Genesis 1 tells us God created everything and it's time. Right. Uh, I think ultimately the biggest conclusions we should need to draw from Genesis 1 is that in Genesis 2 is that God created the world and he created us very intimately. He created us with a soul. Uh, when it comes to evolution in us, my working theory is that Adam was the first person with a soul. And then in that sense, he was the first person God was able to have a relationship with. Right, which is kind of what I was talking about, was basically that that distinction there, that recognizing that although many Christians believe, and it's kind of implied that Adam was the first man, he was the first man of which he had a relationship with God. But there could have been many men that evolved however they evolved. Yeah. No, totally. And that, you know, maybe breathing life into Adam was breathing a soul into Adam. I mean, yeah, when it says he breathed the breath of life, that is the soul. Like, that is, that. I mean, that we, we know theologically that is for sure what that's trying to say. That is God creating, that is us being made in his image. That is that aspect of us that is deeply theologically intertwined into who Mm -hmm. God is. So would you say then that men that were created, men and women that were, that existed previous to Adam and Eve were more like animals? I would say they're they're the same that we would talk about. Like there's like, uh, I'm trying to remember some of the other names of like there's because we're Homo sapiens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying mm-hmm. to remember the other one. Like I know that uh, I, yeah. I remember the funny one. Whenever I was like 13, I heard was Homo erectus. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny uh, to a 13 year old. Yeah, uh, and it was. <laughs> I still kind of find it <laughs> a little bit funny. 
Right. No, I, I know what I, you're I, talking just, about. Just, the yeah. different names of yeah. the stages. And that, that was yeah. the one of the ones that was like the first one that was like able. It was either the first one that was able to stand up or straight, or is it the first one that was able to walk on two legs? I don't remember. But I would say like those versions of people didn't have a soul. They were still living and dying, which honestly is what we're talking about evolution. I think that ultimately brings up another like uh, evolution could answer certain questions for us in scripture, actually, because when we read the story of Genesis four, Cain murders Abel and then Cain leaves. And right now there's only four people. There's Adam, Eve, Cain and Abel, and now three because Cain murdered Abel. And God sends Cain to wander the earth. And then Cain says, well, what if I'm going to get murdered by others? Well, what do you mean others? There's only right. three people so only, far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. so, it's, so right. that raises up a lot of questions. Is, are there other civilizations at this time? Did God create more people outside of the garden? Mm-hmm. Did, mm-hmm. Uh, was it people who just happened to evolve in between the beginning of the garden and when they were kicked out? We don't know. But that that answers the question of if if people were evolved, and they all got still affected by sin because of Adam's choice, because we have a shared human nature. So when essentially one person's nature is polluted, that pollutes everyone's nature. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Then, thanks original sin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, then 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 they're still gonna suffer from the original sin, like mm-hmm. we like everyone else does. Mm-hmm. As well as that makes sense as to what Cain's Cain's complaint is. As well as to how civilizations all began to flourish across, like why why we can find different remnants all around the same time period, twenty some thousand years ago or whatever, uh, back at that point, or mm-hmm. I mean not twenty like or is it three or four thousand, not twenty thousand, uh, but it's it's why we can find things like that that would hint at those ideas, right, right. Uh, otherwise, it's a lot more confusing. There's a lot more we have to reconcile. But when we do that, when we reconcile evolution with the scripture. Then that raises up other ideas because death theologically didn't occur until we had sin. Mm-hmm. And that that is also like, well, if people were evolving, that means they had to have been dying because that's how mm-hmm. it's how right. evolution occurs. Right. So then, yeah, it's that just raises up whole other issues and we have to figure out, well, do was Adam immortal then? Spe- like a special, a uh, special type of immortal because he was the first one of the soul. Like, did the soul is because because the soul goes to heaven after we die? Right. Is does that does that make our bodies immortal when our bodies were perfect? Like we don't like there. It raises so many other questions that we don't have answers to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other side, I do think it also does answer one more question about death. Because when, when God warns Adam and Eve to not eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil or they'll die, they seem to, that seems to imply Adam and Eve know what death is. How would they know what death is if mm. death hasn't happened? True. I mean, fl- like think of yeah. the lifespan of a fly. It's only like a couple weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So they probably saw a dead fly at some point or something. Mm-hmm. And we're like, hey, why isn't this moving, God? Mm-hmm. And he'd probably say it's because it's dead. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think I think to some extent death probably had to have happened before all of the first three chapters of Genesis happened, mm-hmm. or not. I'm sorry, before uh, before chapter three in Genesis happened. Mm-hmm. Well, and I I guess the question that we could ask ourselves is why does all of this matter, right? Yeah. Why does all of this matter? And so I think the problem for unbelievers is that you know like Christians will just shrug off and and I have to admit uh, I've been there it's like it doesn't matter to me whether the earth is young or old big bang or not doesn't make any difference but what happens with this kind of response to an unbeliever is that then it like um, discredits the bible right yeah so because if, if someone thinks you're dumb right exactly or unintelligent exactly Right, and so and and that's the same thing. Regardless, even if it's okay to be a creationist again, like I have nothing against you, but someone who's a hardcore evolution believing person, they're gonna they're gonna think you have lesser intelligence if you don't believe what they believe. Right, just like how I'm sure if you are a hardcore creationist, you tend to think people who just blindly accept evolution when you're taught it in schools thinks you're you're that you're just kind of dumb as well. Right. Or if we're like uneducated, naive, or maybe even brainwashed, right? Yeah. I mean, we've heard that about that Christians, oh, those that's a cult. They're just brainwashed when they go into that building over there. Well, what's the uh, one really famous uh, phrase that started happening like 10 or 15 years ago? Or maybe just because that's when I first heard it. It was how much more faith do you have to have to believe all this came from nothing? 
Uh, that was like a very famous phrase for a while. Have you never heard that? Mm, I'm say, so. say it was something like atheists believe that it's uh, atheists believe we're weird to have faith, but we believe that it's so much weirder for atheists to have. How much more faith do they have to have that nothing has oh, happened? Oh yeah, no, and I've heard that lots of times yeah. where it takes more faith to believe there is no God than if there is, because all you have to do is look around you and just look at at and you see miracles every day, and you see. Um, you watch how animals interact with each other and you just look at the beauty of creation and how do you not believe in God? It's just really hard for me to comprehend that. So that was just me saying, as I think even some Christians would then go and view evolutionists or people who are atheists because of evolution as brainwashed as well in that same vein. They would Mm -hmm. say that that's all they've ever been taught so that they've been forced to learn it. Yeah, another comment in here that I thought was kind of interesting um, that as far as like the Big Bang Theory goes, um, it says like the Bible's been saying it for thousands of years. And so the Bible says that in the beginning, the earth was formless and empty. And um, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And like the Big Bang is what scientists have been saying for less than 80 years, but yet the Bible's been saying it for 3,500 years. Because he spoke it to be. <laughs> so again, it's a matter of trying yeah. to reconcile all of this um, instead of just trying to um, have dissension either in the church or just even with other non-believers. Because what is it that our, our whole, our goal in life should be to bring other people to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And and yeah. so if we share, if they feel like we're brainwashed or we we're uneducated, naive, whatever, we're not necessarily going to draw them to him, right? They've yes. got to feel like we've thought about these things and that it makes this reconciliation, say, between evolution and, and um, uh, Christianity makes sense. And here's how that can all, what, here's what that could look like. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's a it's a big part. It's a big part of us reaching out to people. If we aren't willing or capable of understanding and bridging gaps of intellectual conversations, we'll never be able to reach out to the people who are intellectual, intellectually based. Only the people who are feelings based and experience based, and that's okay to reach out to those people. But we also need to reach out to the people who are the high fives, the people who are a little bit more like me, the people who if I was an atheist, I would entirely be demanding pure scientific evidence. I would not be caring about feelings or experiencing Jesus. Hey, Revan. Hey, no. Bad dog. Who's biting the we chair? We pause for this moment. <laughs> pause for the dog biting my chair. Good boy. Uh, it's, it's important to be able to reach out to them as well. Well, and, and things... I think we do that by... Even if you disagree with certain conclusions... You have to respect what people believe is logical. Right. And, and and things change over time. And I thought this was a good example where, like, at a point in time, we might have a lack of knowledge on a particular thing, but eventually it gets resolved. For example, the world was flat, right? So Christians fought the theory advanced by Pythagoras that the earth is round, not flat. They argued from four Bible verses that refer to the four corners of the earth. The earth can't be round, they said, because the Bible says it has corners. And they argued from eight verses in the King James Version about distance, that say, to the end of the earth. The earth can't be round, they said, because it would have then it wouldn't have an end. So Christians once quibbled over corners and ends the way we quibble over days. So it's kind of like that same yeah, issue the, that we talk about days. It, it's, yeah, it's the same... It's the same it's, concept. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's yeah. I, I, I almost wrote down the Second Timothy verse that I love so much that I'd, I'd preach a sermon on for my preaching classes last year uh, for, my, uh, for our other episode. I should have done it. But essentially it's saying, flee from all youthful passions. Uh, and it's like, okay, well, how is that relevant? And it then says, pursue godliness, pursue honesty, pursue truth, love. And then Paul begins to go into a discourse about why you shouldn't argue with others. Essentially, Paul is saying the youthful passion... That when people get caught up in passion, it's not always necessarily lust. It's not always necessarily money and greed. Sometimes you just want to argue and just be pride. right. It is just pride. Totally pride. And so it's totally. just when when it comes to stuff like that, it's okay to disagree. It's okay to even like have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. But 
don't, <laughs> but don't just get like argumentative about it. Well, is, is and, the and dog not, sniffing you because you smell like the other dogs? Probably. But I mean, not only that, but we should actually take new information and embrace it and, um, you know, claim that as a part of Christianity and, and the design of God and that um, rejoicing with him and that, um, you know, just about his miraculous creation. So kind yeah. of like yeah. do the opposite of what many Christians do, but actually rejoice in it and reconcile it. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's totally true. And I think a big part is if any of you really, because this whole part of this discussion is trying to figure out how it affects us in the real world. Totally. If any of you ever feel unsettled by anything we say, you could always email us and ask us Absolutely. a question about it. Uh, I'm, of course, I'm not a super expert. I do, I'm so close to having my MDiv, which yes, makes me a little... Yes, one more class, which Greek makes four. Me a little bit close. No, Hebrew four. Oh, Hebrew four. Which makes me a little <laughs> bit close to being an expert. Only a little. <laughs> uh but that's Far our, but more than me. I would challenge anyone out there because uh, I'd I'd actually had an evangelism and follow up class, and the professor says we have too narrow of a view of evangelism, where it has to be the sermon from the pulpit, and or in reality, evangelism is discipleship, mm-hmm. and it's the process of discipling. And once someone, once you have a relationship with someone and you get they get saved, you still disciple them and for a long time, right. And saying, but in that process, when you begin conversations with them, like ask them what they believe. They're going to be more willing to hear what you believe if you Mm -hmm. ask them what they believe. Mm -hmm. And nothing will challenge you or make you grow is if someone asks you hard questions about your faith and hard questions about something you might not be super familiar with. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, as uh, I don't know if you have any closing thoughts. I Um, I have some Bible verses. Okay. Whenever you want to get to that section. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So for some uh, ending verses like we always like to do, uh, oh, I have a special treat for you this well as today as well. Okay. Uh, but, but it's not the first one. It's the last verse. Okay. So Job 38.4. This is God speaking to Job after Job finally says, okay, God, like, like I don't understand <laughs> anything. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And then God responds uh, with, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. And then he proceeds to go on to say other things like, did you did you measure did you measure the foundation? Like he begins to ask like very sarcastic. I don't even remember that. Like, oh my he, word! And he's beginning to say he he says this. Wow. Re, God is like very like not. I don't. I wouldn't say God's being a jerk, but it's like God's being sarcastic and God's being a little bit in Job's face because Job is Job is calling out God and God's I don't like, remember that. do you even understand what you're saying when you're when you're saying wow. I'm not just? Uh, and it's just to say we should never be so arrogant as to assume we have all the answers. Uh, for anything, but mm-hmm. especially with like the creation of the world. If you're a hardcore atheist and you're listening to this and you believe in evolution, that's totally fine. I mean, it sounds like me and my mom both agree. Evolution is how God you, uh, used the, uh, used as creation. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we were there to witness that happen. Right. <laughs> so even if we believe something that's scientific, we weren't there. So we can't know for 100% certain. Right. Vice versa, if you're a creationist, unless you're one of the couple people who claim to have visions of God creating creation, because uh, I have... I've, <laughs> I, I haven't even heard uh, of any of them. It was actually not related to this. It was to the Ravi Zacharias when I was looking up stuff about him. Not something he did, but someone talking to him claimed oh, okay. that. Uh, okay. uh, <laughs> but yeah, we should never be so arrogant as to assume we have all the answers. The concepts behind evolution have changed since Darwin. A thousand years from now, they won't be the same ones that we have as current. Uh, Psalm one thirty nine thirteen. It's a verse you guys all know. And if we ever have a, like an abortion subject, that'll probably be one of the biggest verses we'll be talking about. For you created me in my innermost parts. Mm-hmm. You wove me in my mother's womb. And regardless of how you want to talk about what that verse means, because ultimately what David is saying is, God, when I was created, you created me intimately. You created me with love. You created me with care. And that that's the, the epitome of creation. Regardless if you believe in creationism in the literal six days or if you believe in God-guided evolution or another theory, the biggest conclusion we need to draw from Genesis 1 and 2 is that God created us with care, with intimacy, with love, and that he cares about us deeply. And he went into detail um, about Adam because he had a relationship with Adam, yeah. right? Which is what he desires to have with each of us. 
And then last but not least, here is a uh, verse from the Brian translation. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is, this is from my Hebrew 3 class. It's not that much different from the normal Genesis 131. Then God saw all that he made, and behold, it was very good. And it was evening and it was morning, a sixth day. And I really love it because when I say behold, I actually translated as he saw it was very good. And that's normally what a lot of people translate it as. But the word there is called hine. And essentially it's whenever you see the word behold, where it's like, it's almost like this verb of like, look, Mm -hmm. look at the greatness of this. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it's like, think of a moment when you're in awe. Mm-hmm. So when it says God saw right. it was very good, mm-hmm. it's like God created everything. He created us mm-hmm. and he was in awe of us. Hmm. Not in a way like he worshiped us or anything weird. No, nope, but I can totally relate because what I think about is having had three children. It's like after you get to see your baby for the first time, it's yeah. like, behold, it's like, oh, I'll cry now. Yeah. It's like nothing you can even relate to anything else like yeah. there is just this awe that's actually what i was thinking of i was actually a question i was going to ask you was do you feel like you identify with that totally uh and so yeah i think if you're a parent out there that mm-hmm. moment where you first see and hold your your baby yes th- there that is, is absolutely nothing like it that is probably almost exactly what god was mm-hmm. feeling when mm-hmm. he created and he finished creating mm-hmm. and then he rested and yeah so that's uh that's uh, Genesis 131 out of the Brian translation. Awesome. Well, I, <laughs> I, I like the Brian translation. It's not too much different from most other translations. but. So with that, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And as usual, um, if you have any thoughts, questions, remarks, um, please contact us. If you want to yell, yell us at why we're wrong. Yeah, tell us why we're wrong. We'd love to hear that. We'd love to debate it. Hey, we bring you on and you can join our podcast. That'd be great. <laughs> Um, please contact us by sending an email to realworldpod at gmail.com. That is realworldpod at gmail.com. And we really appreciate you for joining us today. Yes. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day.